hey, look at that. I get an opportunity to say something. All right, guys, I was going to switch it up on you, and then I decided against it. So let's go ahead. Um, first of all, I want to apologize to you guys. Last weekend we had some serious PowerPoint issues and because we didn't have one, and the microphone was like, like every five seconds. And um, it was so bad that we actually did not post our, our video online last week because it was just, it was really bad. I think we got the microphone fixed and I hope the PowerPoint is better. We are in the process of upgrading the whole computer system, I think. That's what, eh, that's what Ben said. It is an upgrade, right? No, it's not. It's not. Oh, no. Oh, no. All right. Um, anyway, we're doing something for all of you at home. Um, and so I just wanted to apologize, first of all, for that. Last week, we talked about a very important subject, which is being the same person outside that you are inside the church. Carrying your cross means sacrificially doing for others in love. It's, it's not about us. We talked about how certain worldly views have crept into the church and kind of flipped the Bible on its head by making it all about our passions and our desires, even go so far as to teach you about to, how to make it all about yourselves. And it's sad to see, but our, our mission as a church needs to be focused. It has to be godly and it has to not be a worldly-based mission. So this week, our text is pretty short, but really should drive home the view of, of what is our mission? What is our purpose? It, is it all about us, or is there a bigger plan at work here? So let's open up our Bibles to James chapter 4, and we're only going to be reading verses 13 through 17, and as we do read that look at, look for your points which are what is your life what is your dash and what is your sin so the title for today is what is our purpose so if you will stand up please and we're going to read 13 through 17 you open you got it all right Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, your boast, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Amen. You may be seated. God must have seriously wanted me to change the ending of my teaching here because I had my teaching all done on Wednesday, and after Thanksgiving I was all fat and happy with turkey and all that. And I go home and I start doing my PowerPoint for today, and my entire third point was just gone. 
And I was like, ah, that's not good. So I, I, had to re, I had to redo that whole part. And sometimes, you know, you, you, get on a, you get on a mind thought and you're going down a particular path and God's just like, don't go that way. Come over this way. So what is our life? As we read last week, and James starts off this week, we tend, as humans, as people, to make it all about us. How do we get what we want? Those, those are normal types of questions that we ask before we do anything, right? We want to know what's in it for us. How do we, how do we really make it about numero uno, you know? And we get self-centered and egotistical at times, which is why you get those kinds of books like Live Your Best Life Now or... Um, because the reality is, nobody in here would buy the book How to Give Your Neighbor Their Best Life Now, right? Nobody's buying that book. So, sadly, it, it's, it's not about what we want. If it was... If it was about what our neighbors wanted, we wouldn't be interested, right? We wouldn't read that book. Anybody in here buy that? No. So what is it all about? Did Jesus die so we could just sit back and be all fat and happy? Now, I want you to know up front here that in our first, our first part of the text, God does not have an issue with us making plans, that's, that's not what he's getting at here. All the green personality types out there just let a huge sigh of relief, right? You're like, yes, I have to plan. I need my plans. That's not really the issue that Paul's talking or that, that James is talking about here. Remember, when we were reading 1 Corinthians, Paul makes all these plans. He's like, I'm going to go here, I want to go here, I want to go here. So it, it's not an issue with the planning. So what... What is it that's the issue? Well, one of the things that, that Paul recognizes is that he's doing these things for God. He has to remain flexible. It's kind of hard to not remain flexible when you make plans and you end up in jail, right? You end up in prison almost everywhere you go. So you got to kind of take your plans and go, huh, what's God really want me to do here? So it, it's, it's not the planning that James has an issue with. It's not the planning that God is saying is the problem here. It's, it's the issue of planning selfish activity. So the, I, I don't think that it's for no purpose here that James makes a point of showing that their plans were to make profit for themselves. So before anybody gets on the sea. Profit's bad. You shouldn't do that. You should know this if you've been here for any length of time. God does not care about you making plans. And I don't understand you planner people. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with trading with people. That's not the problem either. Um, we all, every single one of us trades something for something else. So if I, if I make a decision to go do something, I'm trading my time. If I make a decision to sell you something, I'm trading you a, an object. 
We, we all trade things all the time. So there's nothing wrong with making a profit. We're all entitled to make a living and to feed our families. And all three of those items, planning, trading, and profit, all come down to one thing, and it's the heart with which you do them. That's what God is looking at here. It's the heart. So now we're coming up to, as you guys know, we're coming up on Christmas, right? Christmas is one of the two legalism times a year. Um, it's when the mighty and lofty Christians among us come at you with the Christians a pagan holiday. Christmas is a pagan holiday. Don't you guys understand this? Easter's the other one. But these people bring this up to some, they try and make this as some historic ritual that was observed by pagans hundreds of years ago and act like that's how we're supposed to celebrate Christmas. We aren't idolizing, we're not idolizing a tree. If we were um, worshiping a different God, then that would be one thing, but we're not. We're taking one day to celebrate the birth of Christ. And I think most of, most of us know that December 25th was not actually the, the birthday of Christ. But the reason that I bring this up is sadly, again, so many of us miss that it's about the heart. Now, we, we, can, we can sing um, a worship song. The words might not be right. They may be bad. I don't know. But how's the heart? How are we singing it? How do we pray? Are, are we sitting down and we're praying going, okay, I'm supposed to do this, God. So let me tell you my problems. And then we lay out this whole wish list of things that we want God to do for us. We rub the genie. You guys remember when we taught about that? The money that we give. Are we, like, are, are we helping somebody out with money? Are, are we doing it like, ah, I don't really want to do this, but you know, I feel like I have to. I'm going to tell you guys right now, if you feel like you have to do something, you're doing it with the wrong heart. The way that we look about profits the same way. If it's all about number one, you, realize, you need to realize first and foremost that you're not number one. God is. So what is, what is our life? What's the purpose? What, what are we doing here? As we've been reading in James, are you carrying the cross of sacrificial love or are we looking out for numero uno? Are we looking out for ourselves? Our heart towards God and our heart towards others is what James is all about here. It's, it's all about how do we treat those people around us? And I, I think that when somebody comes at us with all this legalistic junk, they don't care about where your heart is or why you're doing something. They're coming at you with pride and telling you how you need to relate to God or how you need to relate to other people. And, and the reality is, I, I mean, if they see you and you're, we have a Christmas tree up, we're prostrating ourselves in front of the Christmas tree, they have a point. 
But don't let somebody else steal your joy in how you celebrate Christ. And I don't care if it's just Christmas. I don't care if it's every day. There's, there's, there's not a wrong way to be a Christian if your heart is in, is in the right place. If you're earnestly trying to serve God, he, he will show you how, and he will help you. And I don't think, I think that sometimes we, we get so stuck on the do's and the don'ts, the rights and the wrongs, that, that we miss the joy of what it is to be a Christian. We, we miss the liberty and the grace. And I'm sorry that I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent there about the Christmas thing, but the reality is you see those Pharisee Christians every time of year, every, every Christmas. And it, it really frustrates me because it typically just drives people away from Christ because they don't want anything to do with people like that. And I, 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 I know for a fact that Christ did not save those people so that they could type out on their keyboard their personal vision of Christianity and throw it in your face and tell you everything that you're doing is wrong. So if you come across this, please ignore them when you see it. Because the reality is if you argue with them, and I, trust me, trust me, I've done this. Their pride is not going to listen to you. It's never going to happen. So back to the question, what is our life? Our life is supposed to be about the service and love towards others. If I am thinking of God in my heart and serving Him, my plans, my actions, my everything is going to reflect that. Does that make sense? So if, if I'm thinking of somebody above myself, when I trade them with them, if it's my time, if it's my money, if it's my whatever it's always going to be a fair trade because I don't want to, I don't want to hurt them in the transaction. Does that make sense? So if I'm treating somebody fairly, then my profit will be fair. And I'm not taking advantage of people. I, I remember years ago, a friend of mine who, he was... Um, not really a friend anymore. He did a lot of bad stuff. But anyway, he was, we were working, to, or kind of, we were working together in, in service at, at Calvary in Tucson. And he went over to work at a Christian car dealership. Okay? And I remember I'd, I'd hear the, the advertisements for this place on, on the radio. And it was like, come on down to this dealership because. You know, all of our trades are on us because we follow the Lord. And they did all this jingle and all this stuff. And, and it sounded like they honored God with everything that they did. So you could go there and you could trust them, right? The reality is, he told me, he goes, he goes man, they're worse than any car dealership I ever worked at in my life. And they tried to take advantage of people by using God's name. In, in, their, in their work. And they'll answer for that someday. I, I hope that when we deal with other people, 
we look at them with the eyes of Jesus, like we've been reading about all through James, and we go, how, how do I treat people? How do I treat people the way that I would want to be treated? Because I know that you, you don't want anybody, you personally, when, when you're dealing with people, you don't want to get hurt in a transaction. You don't want to get hurt when you're dealing with people. So you don't want to do that. Let's go to our next point. And I totally stole this from Al Adelman. And I don't feel horrible about it one bit because I know for a fact he stole it too. So this point is our dash. Okay. Our dash, what is our dash? Our dash is our life. On every gravestone that you've ever seen, you have the year of your birth, you have the year of your death, and what's in between those? It's a dash. The dash is years and years and years of what you've done in your whole life. And it seems pretty sad when we look at that just little line in between two lines. That's like the summary of my life, a little line. <laughs> that's, that's, all that it, it's all that I re, that's all that I've come to is a little line. But in reality of the whole universe, the thing is, is that we as people, we tend to put a lot more importance on our lives than we deserve. I, I remember once, having a friend, you guys all know Mr. Mr. Joe Krause. Hopefully he's not listening to this. If he is, it's okay. We've had, we've had this talk. It's fine. Um, I remember having a conversation with Mr. Joe Krause one time, and he was talking, we were talking about him retiring. And he was telling me that he's only one of four people in the world that does his job. And he goes, I have this kind of security clearance, I have this and this, and I'm one of only four people in the world that does what I do. And I said, that's, that's really great, Joe. I said, but you, you want to retire? He goes, yeah, I want to retire, but you know, for national security reasons, I can't. I said, Joe, if you got in a car accident tomorrow and got killed, you're dead. You know what's going to happen? They're going to find another number four. It's going to happen. So, our text today says that we are a mist for a little time that vanishes. Our dash is limited. For you computer geeks out there, and my, my computer geek just walked off, this was for him, for you computer geeks out there, Think of your life as a one or a zero in the code of the biggest software that you ever thought of in your life. That, that's our life. We're just a number in a big cog of the whole big wheel of life. And I think that as important as you may be, God's plan and picture or program is so massive that none of us can even come close to comprehending it. So we boast in how we live our dash, but, but if we aren't living it for God, really, what's the point? Why are we even here? James, James says we should be asking instead, if the Lord wills, we live and to do this or to do that. 
We need our dash, we need our life to reflect God's will in our life, not how prideful we think that we can do this thing. Think about your life for a minute. Think about your dash. Are you where you think you should be in life? Is it all about where you think you should be in life? It's not really at all. A lot of us in America, we chase this thing called the American dream, right? It's this, it's this great thing where we get riches and fame and notoriety. We want to leave our mark. The dash is your mark. It's the mark that represents everything about you. When people sit at your funeral and remember your dash, what are they going to remember about you? Were, were you the one that worked so hard that you never had time for anything? Was everything you did about your wants and goals? Ben, you missed the most important part. It was all about you a minute ago. Sorry, you have to go back and listen. Were there regrets along the way? And I'm sure that every single one of us has regrets. Who, who, who were you serving? Were you serving God or were you serving the world? Our, our dash may be small and insignificant in the big picture, but do you realize that we can profoundly impact everybody that we meet for good? When old people... Not, not like my mom old, really old people, like 90s, when those, yeah. yeah, anybody over 76 is old. Um, when old people are asked what regrets did they have, the, ma the vast majority cite that they didn't spend enough time with their kids or they had broken familial relationships. Mostly because they put everything above their family. I, I know that I've had issues with that. Does anybody else in here struggle with that one? There's something that I want you to think about. If you were to spend more time with your family, do you think God would not honor that? I, I know for me about three years ago, I was actually just talking with a realtor about this the other day because we were talking about priorities and, and making changes. Um, about three years ago, or yeah, about three years ago, I decided that I was no longer going to work Saturdays. I just said, I'm not doing it. I, I don't really care if people like it. It's not really my issue. It's theirs. And I, I wanted to spend more time with my family. I made the decision to give them more time with me and to give myself a break so that I wasn't killing myself. Um, I continued to make decisions changing my, my schedule to accommodate my family. And you know what? God has continued to bless not only my decision financially, but with my relationships with my wife and my children. So... I don't want to 
I mean, this is kind of the American dream. But I don't want to sit back on my pile of money and wonder why my family left me. Or wonder why there's so many divorces that are happening all around me. Our dash, guys, is short. And we need to focus on what's important to God, not what makes us worldly. So let's wrap this up with our third point here, which is what's our sin? Verse 17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This verse actually makes me chuckle a little bit. Because every time I think about this verse, I think about a conversation that I had with a pastor once at a church that was pretty compromising in the way that they looked at things. It's not that it's funny. It's how some people, I think, handle this verse. And I think a lot of large churches only teach milk because of this verse. Because if we stay away from those things that point out sin, we just make everybody comfortable and happy, right? If everybody's comfortable and happy, you know what they do? They stay, and they keep coming every single week because we're making them happy. We don't want to point out anything that makes them feel bad, or eh, they might not keep coming back. The perspective of this is all wrong. Because the reality is, if we live on milk alone, we're never going to grow. Do you think that people come... This is a fundamental question that big churches, I think, miss a lot. Do you think that people come to church because they want to stay the same? How do people experience the life-changing work of Jesus Christ if we never challenge them to look at their own lives. You guys, I, I'm not shy. I beat you guys up pretty regularly. I'm surprised you, I'm surprised you come back. <laughs> I, I mean, because I, I, I want us to be challenged. I don't want us to come in here and just go, oh, this is great. Let's talk lovey-dovey stuff. I, I don't want to do that. I want us to come in here and go, what do we need to do to become better people? How do we do that? How, what's... What's the purpose? How do I serve Christ better? The reality is, is that the Bible says that we're at, we are held accountable to what we know. And I think that a lot of churches don't teach anything because they don't want us to be held accountable. Meat is how we grow strong. We build spiritual muscle off of meat. We think about, think about a baby. I mean, some of you guys, Kristen's about to have another one. What do you do? You give them milk and milk and milk and you get them fat and they got more rolls in a bakery when they're all done, right? And then what happens? They start walking and you start giving them, you start giving them food and they start growing muscle and they start getting bigger and taller and all of the baby fat starts going away because you're giving them something that actually makes them stronger. And, and I think that when we withhold meat, we stunt spiritual growth for the sake of growth of the church. So, next time you think of a mega church, think of a bunch of fat baby rolls all laying around, sitting around doing nothing. Because that's, that's what happens. 
It looks cute. They're cheating. Oh, look at the cheeks. And you get all excited about them. But spiritually, they're babies too. Look at Luke chapter 12, um, 41 through 48. I think I put slides up, didn't I? All right. Um, it says, Peter said, Lord, are you telling us this parable for, for, us, for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager? Whom his master will, whom his master will set over his household? to give them a portion of food at a proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming, and he begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and to get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour does not know, and will cut him into pieces and will put him with the unfaithful. And, the, and that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did not deserve a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom was, much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. We're accountable to what we know. Everybody's like, well, good. Close my Bible. I don't want to know no more. <laughs> because the more I know, the more I'm in trouble. The, the problem with that idea and with that, with, that, with that position is that we, as Christians, we're entrusted with a gift, a, a very precious gift. It's the gift of grace. We are given the right to serve the living God. We're also given the opportunity and the gift to show others the love of Christ. The, the verse said, blessed is the servant doing his master's will. Much, of, much is required of us because Christ paid it all to give it to us. To sit back and relax is kind of just a slap in the face to that gift that was given to us. Our sin is really just being lackadaisical in our faith. You know, but we, we as Americans, we, we tend to kind of skirt by with just enough just enough knowledge so that we're safe, but we're not really doing much for others because that would kind of be an inconvenience. So we kind of try and hold that middle line between well, God's okay with me and my friends are okay with me. Don't ask me to do much more because then, then we're going over a line here. And again, this comes back to the original point, which is where is our heart? Because if it's self-centered, again, are we doing this for Christ or are we doing it for ourselves? 
Because our, our, every single sin that we have in life comes down to our heart. So, let's summarize this with what is our life? Who are we living for? Is it, is it for ourselves or for the world? Because if, if we're living it for the world, it's, our, our lives are always going to be a mess. They're always going to be a mess. God blesses our focus on His details. When we're doing things that are for Him and serving Him, even if it's in the way that we treat other people, He blesses that. Now, I know that you're all going like, well, Joel Osteen's got two jets and a mansion and all this other stuff. The reality is, the Bible also says that He will give to people for a little time, and then eventually it wears out. He's done with it. Secondly, how does our dash look? Every single one of us has an opportunity right now today, this moment, to change the way that our dash is seen by other people. We have an opportunity to impact greatly those that we encounter if our heart is focused on serving others instead of ourselves. And we have an opportunity to show them the love of Christ instead of showing them how great you're making your life. Do you guys see the difference there? I mean, it's, it's a massive change. Because you know what? When people, see, when people see that you genuinely care about them, relationships change. Everything changes because it, it's, it's not about you. You guys ever had conversations with people where it's all about them? Do you like that? I mean, some of the introverts might. Like, oh, cool, I'm going to talk. <laughs> this person's just going to keep going. All right, sweet. But the reality is even the introverts want to talk about them. They just don't want them to do it. They want you to do it. Because people want to know that you care. That's just the simple reality of it. We, we get the opportunity to show the love of Christ. Do you know that when, when Jesus was talking to people and when he was having conversation with people, he almost always started off with a question because he, he wanted people to tell them, to tell him what was going on in their lives. He was God. Do you think he didn't know? Of course he did. But he wanted the relationship of having that conversation. Lastly, our sin. Does anybody in here not have any sin? No? Okay. Our, our sin has to be something that we work on. 
It's not something that we avoid. We don't just kind of shove it off to the side and go, oh, well, you know, if I act like it's not there, it's like the, you know, if you just hide it over there, nobody will know it, nobody will see it. I'll just keep doing it and, you know, we'll just avoid it. It's kind of like that, I hear no evil monkey, you know? We, we get in denial of it sometimes because we don't want to change. And the reality is we, we have to change. We have to want to change because we, want, we have to want Christ to make that change in us. We, we don't want to try and do it on our own because we've already talked about this before. Every time we try and do something like that, we mess up, we, we make it worse, right? But we want Christ to make those changes in us because that's how we draw closer to Him. We have to have that meat we have, to, we, we have to do the things that, that make us draw closer to Christ. We have to do the things that make us learn more about who we are and what we should be doing. If, if our desire is to just be lazy Christians, enjoy our, our happy little Christian life, we truly don't understand what a Christ, what it was that Christ asked us to do in service of Him. Because our, our life should be full of service and love. If we're not doing that, we're doing it wrong. Now, here's the bummer for all of you guys, and I'm really sorry about this. Now that you know that, you're held accountable to it. So I just, I just did that to you. Seriously, our purpose in everything that we do is to spread the, hand, spread the gospel by being the hands and feet of Jesus. We, we have to be eager and willing to learn and to grow. The, the reality is I keep, I, I, my intention, I, I, as long as I'm standing up here, is to keep throwing stakes at you people. Like that one. They'll be medium rare. Don't you worry. I would not ruin a stake, sir. But we can't live in denial of the truth. We need to live for Christ and for others. And the best way that we can do that is to grow in knowledge, not only of other people, but in ourselves. We have to be truthful enough with ourselves to go, here's where I fall short, here's where I need help, and, and God, get on your face and say, I need help with this. I can't do this on my own. Our purpose in life is to help other people. That's the hardest thing in the world for people in America because, quite frankly, we're all about us. We need to change that. We need to be willing to help those around us because those around us are the ones who will help us later on. 
I look at my mom and I go, I, I can't believe that she's done all the stuff that she's done for my dad. But it's about love. It's about service. I, I think that, you know, I jokingly told my kids that I had seven of them because it increased, it increased my chances that one day one of them would change my diaper. I mean, some of you guys only got one or two. That's 50-50 shot, you know. I, I got to have one that will, right? I got seven of them. It's just changing the perspective of how are we looking at things? Are we looking at serving other people or is it all about us? Let's stand up and we'll pray.